Well, kia ora te whanau, no mai hari mai. Welcome to our home as we come to the part where we look at the scriptures uh, this morning in our church service. I can't see you, but I know you're, I know you're there. And here we are in our second weekend of our lockdown. And uh, I don't know what you found hardest to deal with over this last week and a half. I guess if you've got children, you'll have all kinds of things. But I know for me, I think the hardest thing that I feel I've had to face is just the loss of freedom. You know, the sense of confinement that we suddenly have, the inability to do what you want to do and to go out there. I mean, you can't just jump in the car and easily nip down and get that bar of chocolate, although we should be doing that anyway, uh, or jump in the car and go up the coast and visit friends or have people over. Or Julie and I can't just go up the coast for a weekend away somewhere. And we can't meet together as a church in the way that we have done, and which I really miss. And some of you are thinking, well, I can't even go out and do the job I'm supposed to be doing. So this loss of freedom, this confinement, it's a difficult thing to deal with. And to me, it's like we kind of come into this twilight zone called lockdown stage four. And it can almost feel like life is on hold at this point. We're just waiting for this to pass. And you can't really do much. And there's not much purpose. And there's not much meaning around the place. We're just carrying on as best we can. I guess if you've got children, there's real meaning there, of course. I mean, when was the last time you were able to have quality, consistent time with your kids? Not for a long time, I bet. So in that sense, there's something very meaningful there that you can be enjoying. But I think as a whole, generally, we, we feel like we're on hold. And we can feel a little bit fruitless and a little bit aimless, a bit purposeless right now and not much meaning around the place. And if that's so, I want to talk into that this morning, because I don't believe that's how it should be. I believe we can be very fruitful at this time, and full of eternal purpose, actually. A very fruitful time. And to illustrate that, I wanted to look at a, an episode in the character of a very famous biblical life, the life of Paul. An episode that occurred with him, and it's an episode that demonstrates, I think, what it is to be very, very fruitful in a time of lockdown. So that's where I want us to go this morning, and it's in Philippians chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, you might like to flick over there to Philippians 1. And uh, Paul starts off as he often does when he greets the church. He says, verse 2, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's writing to this church at Philippi, which could so easily be our church, very ordinary church in many senses. But Paul is not in a very ordinary situation. He's in a very extreme situation. It says in verse 13 that he is in chains. So Paul is in absolute lockdown. I mean, if we're in level four, he's in level 10. I mean, he's in a, a Roman prison cell. And if you think it's tough at the moment, well, imagine what it would be like for him. I mean, think of Roman prison cell. You're thinking dark confinement. I'm thinking stench, I'm thinking cold, there's a concern that he may not even get out alive. I think it must have been a miserable confinement, a miserable place. Imagine being locked in there for a month. It must have been terrible. And I think as well for Paul, I think it must have been doubly terrible actually, because if you think about Paul, think about the thing that drives him most. Think about the thing he most loves to do. And that's easy to find. It says in 1 Corinthians 9.16, it says, Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. 
for Paul, his great passion is to proclaim the gospel. It's what he does. It's what he loves to do with small groups or large, different ethnic groups, different cities and towns. He's always on the move. He desires to proclaim the gospel. He says later on in 2 Corinthians, he says, he says the love of God compels us. So his love for God, his love for the gospel, his love for people compelled him to be out there breaking ground, preaching in new places, proclaiming to all kinds of people. In fact, it says at one point, he says, from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was unknown. In other words, Paul is an action man. He's always traveling. He wants to be out there where the gospel can be proclaimed. And now suddenly all of that is shut down and he's confined in this little prison cell in Rome. It's like everything has been shut down. And you can imagine the, the frustration he must have felt. It kind of reminds me of, you know, I imagine my grandson Izzy, four years old. If I put him in his bedroom all day without any toys, I wonder how he would handle that. I, I imagine he'd be shrieking in five minutes. <laughs> or imagine a, I don't know, a concert pianist, you know, a professional who, who loves the piano, loves to perform in front of large crowds, loves to practice every day, loves the instrument, and then suddenly wakes up one day and, I don't know, maybe arthritis in the hands or something, or broken hands, or, or the piano's gone, gone. You can imagine the frustration and the depression such a person would face. I don't know, I imagine maybe Paul felt a little bit of that. I can imagine him at times crying out to God, Lord, get me out of here. I want to proclaim your message. That's what you called me to do. I guess what I'm saying is, is that if there's anyone who could have felt on hold or on ice, unproductive, unfruitful, going nowhere, without purpose, it would be Paul and his lockdown situation. Yet the thing is, as I read Philippians 1, I don't find that at all. I find that fruitfulness for Paul just bubbles out of him. He can't hold it back. He is very fruitful, even in his confinement, and in ways that I think would be good for us to know. So, so I want to take a few minutes to point out four ways that Paul is fruitful, even in his confinement. Four ways that I think we can learn from. Two of them are to do with action. And two are more to do with attitude or outlook, but four ways. The first way, the first way that Paul is fruitful in this confinement is, is found right here in the first chapter. And it's simply this, that even though he's confined, he's able to pick up his pen and he writes. And he does write. In fact, what he writes, we know he writes because he writes Philippians. And as I pick up the letter to the Philippians and what he wrote, I'm thinking, not bad. I mean, after all, it's inspired, God-breathed scripture and has blessed millions of people down the centuries. Talk about fruitfulness. I think Paul was very fruitful, don't you? Now, I'm not suggesting that we should all go away and try and write inspired scripture over the lockdown period. Please don't misunderstand me. Don't do that. Don't try. We may not be called to do that, but we can text or type not words of inspired scripture, but anointed words of encouragement, words that bring life. We can do that, can't we? Paul says at one point in Ephesians 4, he says, 
what you say can impart grace to the hearers. Well, if that's so, what you type and what you text can impart grace to the readers. I love that word, impart grace. We can impart the life of God. God can anoint what we text and it can bless the receiver. And we know that's true, don't we? Because we know how it feels when somebody texts us or emails us. Even a simple phrase like thinking of you or praying for you. Or as I was praying for you this morning, I felt the scripture would be good for you to hear. Or I felt a prophetic picture. I saw one as I was praying for you this morning. This is what it is. And you know what it's like when you receive words like that. It's, it's, it's deep encouragement, actually. We feel very edified. And what that is, is grace being imparted through our brothers and sisters around us. And it's very powerful. Don't underestimate it. It's powerful. And I think at these days, especially at this time of lockdown, when, you know, maybe some of us are a little bit fearful or a little bit isolated, a little bit stir-crazy in our homes, a little bit vulnerable, now is the time when we can be texting and emailing. Now is the time to use this thing. Funny, I've been preaching against the phone for years, but, but now, suddenly, it becomes a tool, actually, for the blessing of God. You know, to bless people, to impart faith and impart grace. So at this time, I want to encourage you as a church community, let's be good at WhatsApping and all the other ways that we text. And I, and I hear about it going around the place even now, and people are being very encouraged. So keep it up and do more. That's the first thing I would say. That's fruitfulness. Second thing that immediately strikes me about Paul is this in, in this chapter, and you can find it in verse 3. He says this. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. And then verse 9, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. This is my prayer. Listen, if you want to bear eternal, meaningful fruit during this time, pray. Pray. Pray for the saints. Pray for the church. Pray for the nation. Pray against the virus. Pray. Listen, prayer isn't the thing you do when you can't do anything else. Oh, we're in lockdown, can't do anything, might as well pray. No, 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 no. Prayer is actually the best thing you can do before you do anything else. I mean, just think about the privilege of what prayer is. You can bring somebody whom you love before God in prayer. You can bring them before God that God might meet with them as you pray. I can't think of a more meaningful thing to do, can you? You can engage with the God of heaven and earth, the God who can transform and change things far beyond the walls of your house. Mightily. I can't think of a more meaningful thing to do. I mean, it's amazing. We'd love to have five minutes with the Prime Minister to, to say what she needs to do. Actually, we get to spend any amount of time with the God of all heaven to bring his sovereign rule and power to the earth. And we can call on him to rescue and break into the lives of, that we know and love. I think it's a precious and powerful thing. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says this. He says, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It's far deeper than that. It is spiritual, a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. I really like that. A spiritual transaction 
with the creator of heaven and earth. That's what prayer really is. That's powerful. I love what James says in James 5. He says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So listen, in stage four lockdown, do you want to do something powerful and effective? Then pray. In fact, I'd encourage us all really at this time to be looking to stretch the boundaries of our prayer life and to see it grow. Now, I know some may say, well, wait a second, Pete, we've got children in the house. How do we do that? I understand that. But this is where surely wife and husband can serve one another. All right. So, so husbands, release your wife. Let her have time on her own in the bedroom or wherever. Do what you need to do to give her that space. I mean, you'll get the benefit. She'll be praying for you, for the family, for the nation, and so on. Wives, this is your chance, as it were, to release your husband. Send your man to his man cave. Might take the Xbox out and the screen and so on, but, but send him down there. Encourage him to pray. Get him to pray for the family, the church, the nation. Pray back the promises of God. We can grow in prayer at this time. We can be very fruitful in this very important area. So already two ways of being fruitful. We can write or text or type. We can impart grace and we can pray. Both are very, very fruitful. Third thing that, that strikes me, ways that Paul is, is fruitful in Philippians is, is this way. It's quite difficult to describe actually, but it's this. Confined or not, Paul overflowed with a contagious, I need to be careful of that word, a contagious love for God. It overflowed. It's like his jar was full and full and full with the love for Jesus, full to the brim until it overflowed and affected people around him. And we know it did affect people around him because he says in verse 13, he says, It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard that I am in chains for Christ. Now, when it says whole palace guard, some commentators say that refers to the to the Praetorium Guard, in which case we could be talking hundreds and even thousands of soldiers are being affected by Paul at this point. In other words, there was something going on down in the deepest, darkest dungeon. Word was spreading about a guy who so loved his God that it was just amazing and somehow attractive. And the soldiers are speaking about it. In other words, what was going on with Paul as he worshipped was so attractive and noteworthy that hardened men were being affected by what was going on, were being impacted by it. Something about his love for Jesus was spreading far beyond him. And if we ask, well, how did it spread? What actually happened? Well, we don't totally know, but we do know that Paul, when he is in prison, he isn't the quietest person in prison, is he? We know that, and the Philippians know that, because in Acts 16, when Paul is in the prison in Philippi, we read that Paul and Silas, in the middle of the night, in the stocks, in prison, they are singing hymns of praise and worship to God, so loudly that the whole jail can hear them. So Paul's not private in his love for God, is he? He is... He celebrates his love for God loudly. He spends a lot of his time worshipping and praising Jesus. His love is evident and it overflows and it impacts the soldiers around him. Of course, some commentators even say this, that Paul was chained to a Roman soldier. 
I mean, if that's so, can you imagine being that Roman soldier chained to a Paul who's worshipping the Lord and, and contagious in his love for Jesus? <laughs> I, think the, I think the soldier would have been captive audience. I can imagine Paul worshipping. The soldier just look at this. And word spreading, stories are being told of this guy so full of God. And these hardened men are talking about it and being impacted by it. I think it's wonderful. Wonderful. I guess what I'm trying to say is that if your jar is full and overflowing with the love for Jesus, it will come out, even in lockdown, even in lockdown, even as you're lining up in the queue outside of countdown, you know, two meters apart. It's funny the conversations you can have, even the little chit chat that can go on. Or even with the checkout guy at the, at the checkout counter. I've had a few good conversations now because he always starts it off with the same thing. How are you today, sir? which is a great invitation for me to tell him exactly how I am. And I can tell him that actually I'm trusting for the future. I'm not shaken by this because I have a faith. We can spread it around. We are the fragrance of Christ, Paul says at one point. Julie and I were out for a walk just the other night. Look across the road. We see someone coming down the road. We know. We wave. Call that they come over. We talk. We chit-chat. People want to connect at this time. Surely, if we're full of the love of Jesus, that is what will overflow. We are the fragrance of Christ. Hallelujah. We want our jar to be full and overflowing. It's a way to be fruitful. Now, I'm aware at this point that you may well be thinking, well, Pete, sure, but, but how do we develop that kind of contagious love for Jesus? You can't pretend to put it on, and I wouldn't want to try. And actually, you might be thinking, I don't feel a great love right now. I'm feeling concerned. I'm feeling a bit down. I'm feeling worried. What will happen in the future? I'm anxious at the moment. I don't feel contagious with the love of God right now. Well, listen, I understand that. I get that. But it does come down to this fourth fruitfulness, this fourth kind of fruit, and it's to do with outlook or attitude, a way of regarding life and God, and this is this fourth aspect of Paul's fruitfulness, and it, and it drives the other three actually, and it's to do with his outlook. And you can see it in verse 20 of chapter 1. Look at verse 20 with me. It says here, Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in me, whether by life or by death. And this is it. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's a very profound statement. It's as if Paul is saying here, what he's saying is that he's already quietly resolved something in his life. It's like his whole orientation, his life has been established once and for all, on the person, the living person of Jesus. That's what he's saying. It's like this. You know that phrase we often hear, don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know what? I think Paul ignored that totally. I think he put all of his eggs in one basket, and that basket is Jesus. I think that's what he did. All his eggs, you know, all his dreams, that's an egg. His hopes for the future, that's an egg. His reputation, uh, his desire to be loved, that's an egg. Uh, his preferences, they're all eggs. 
He put all of those eggs in the basket of Christ. Each egg is fragile. That's what an egg is and treasured. He put them all in the basket of Jesus. It's like he's given them all over to God. It's like he's saying, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. I give what is most precious to me. I give it to you right now. For me to live is Christ. And you see, for us, I think this. I think that our trouble often is, is that we spread our eggs around too much. Do you know what I mean? Our egg of self-esteem we can put into our workplace, you know, our career. That's where I get my self-esteem from. Or my, my performance, my sport, my, my qualifications. That's where I put my egg. Or our egg of future security. I put that in uh, future security. I put that in my bank account or my KiwiSaver or my portfolio or whatever it may be. Or our egg of fulfillment or meaning I, I put, again, in my job, maybe, or, or in my kids. I, that's where I feel fulfilled. My fulfillment is with them or my reputation. And the trouble is that if we do that, if we spread our eggs around the place, well, what happens when they're all stripped away? What happens when we're hit by a crisis? What happens if we lose these things? What happens when we lose our KiwiSaver? What happens when, when we lose our job? Or after this virus... There's not even the prospect of a job. What happens when we lose all of this? What happens when our kids grow up and leave home? I mean, that's something that Julie and I have faced. Gosh, how much do we build with our kids? How much do we build around our kids? I mean, we've had to face that challenge. What happens when they're taken away from us? What happens when the house sale falls through? What do we do then? How do we feel? You see, the reality is this, is that Paul resolved, Paul embraced the fact that to live is Christ. It's like he's praying, Lord, I put my trust in you for all that is most precious to me, my future, my reputation, my, my life, my eternity, my all, my preferences, everything I give to you. And I make way for you to speak into my life and to direct my path and you to to determine where I go and what I do and how long I live and what shall be achieved. For me to live is Christ. In fact, it's so much so that death to Paul, well, it's just a doorway that opens for more of the same, more of Jesus in a deeper way. And so he's unafraid about his future. It's like Paul settled it. This is where I place my life and I put my eggs. It's not that we despise these other things I mentioned. It's just that we don't put our ultimate trust in them or even our everyday ultimate, ultimate trust in them. No, we live, we live Jesus. That's what an, a follower of Jesus really is after all. And I just wonder this. I wonder at this time, this particular season, I, I'm just wondering that in God's amazing sovereign grace, you know, in the astonishing way he can redeem all things for his purpose, even terrible things like viruses. He can still work through them or in spite of them. He can still bring out and work for the good of those who love him. He works all things for their good, even in the midst of things that we would pray against. Yet even so, God, even in the midst of it, can even redeem and use it for his purpose. And I wonder if God isn't using this difficult season simply to get our attention again in the midst of it. As old securities have been stripped away and, old, and jobs and career and 
old trusts are gone, maybe God is calling us back to him, calling us back to put our eggs, all our eggs, to gather them all again and to put them back into his basket so that for us to live as Christ. I wonder if he's doing that, that we build our lives afresh on him and him alone. Let me ask you as I close, when was the last time you truly came before God and said to him, Lord Jesus, dear God, please, I give you my life. Come in and take full charge. When was the last time you actually did that? Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've kind of stumbled on this video, this video clip, and you're thinking, I've never given my life to Jesus. Well, if that's you, what I want to say to you is, all around you, the world is shaking. All around you, old securities are going. It's only in Jesus that something eternal and true and, and solid remains. He is the one, the glorious one, who can bring you into true peace and true stability that will last on to eternity. Hallelujah. And so turn to him today. And for others of us here, maybe you haven't prayed that prayer in years either. Maybe you did when you were a teenager. Maybe you did at some point after that. But, but with the busyness of life, you know, there's so much going on in our lives, isn't there? We're rushing around, paying the bills, putting the kids through school, going for the career, whatever it may be. When was the last time you actually came to God and said, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I put all my eggs, all that I most treasure, all that I, I find most precious, I put them back into your basket. I say, Lord, you reign over me. Lord, you take charge. Lord Jesus, I make space in my life for you to come in and have complete sway. Lord Jesus, reign over me. Lord Jesus, I want it to be for me as it was with Paul, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Let me tell you, if you can pray that prayer, if you can really give to God in that way or open yourself to God that way, then you'll find this, that actually as you do, he will impart his life to you. He will pour out his spirit afresh upon you. You will find a new love and a joy in God bubbling up to the point where it overflows and truly is contagious and affects others. This is a moment to do that. And so it will be easy, actually, to write and impart grace to others through our texts and our emails. It will be a joy to pray, and it will be natural to overflow. Wonderful, wonderful fruitfulness that Jesus can bring. So I want us to pray, and I want us to ask God to do that, to bring us to that place where we put all our eggs into his basket. Let's just pray right where you are now. Just want to pray. Father, we come to you. Lord Jesus, we come to you right now. And Lord, we pray that, Lord, you would bring us to that place where we say, Lord, all our eggs, all that which is most dear to us, we truly put into your basket. We say, Lord Jesus, we give you our lives afresh today. We say, please reign over us. Have your way in our lives. Lord, help us as we allow that to affect our lives. We want to be able to impart grace to one another. We want to pray with a depth that we've not prayed with before. Lord, we want to overflow with that contagious love that you'd put in our hearts for you. So, Father, above and beyond it all, we say, Lord, please, we give you our lives. Lord, come and reign over us indeed. 
Fill us with your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. It's a joy to be with you. It's a joy to open the scriptures together. Even as you go now, even as you leave, go understanding that God's heart is for you and his desire is that you draw very close to him. As we finish now, we're going to end with a song that Jack's already composed and recorded, uh, a song about the love of the Father, this wonderful love of our God. And as the song is played and the words come up on the screen, just use that moment to bring your life afresh before him. And say, Lord, I'm putting all my eggs in your basket. You're worthy of my trust. And I thank you for your love. God bless you guys. Let's stay connected. We'll see you back here again next Sunday. And in the meantime, let's just keep being aware of all that the church is doing online. Let's just stay in touch. And let's continue to use this period to grow in God. Amen. God bless you and have a great day.